0: Welcome to the Missing Chapter Podcast, where you will hear some of the least known, obscure, and entertaining stories the history textbooks left out, starring Phil Horander and Phil Schaaf.
1: Let's start today's episode by using our imaginations. We talk a lot about wartime. Heroic soldiers giving their lives for their brothers and sisters in arms. So let's imagine a very, well, unexpected scenario while in a horrifying battle. Imagine being in a war zone, frigid temperatures, explosions happening all around you, ammo is diminishing, food is in short supply. You scurry to get to a radio and call in air support. You need more ammunition. You make the call, and the call sign is given to drop as many mortar rounds as possible so we have a fighting chance against the enemy. We hear a helicopter hover over us, and thank God, here comes more supply. The door is open, and parachuting down, pallets of 60 millimeter mortar ammo come into our perimeter, and we open up the boxes, and to our surprise, it's not ammo. Find out what was inside, and how this mishap actually saved the lives of thousands On this episode of The Missing Chapter.
0: In honor of Thanksgiving and to kick off the Christmas season, The Missing Chapter podcast will be giving away a free coffee mug to one lucky listener. Simply click on the message link
1: on our social media platforms and leave us a voice message. Tell us your name, where you're from, and where you'd like to listen to The Missing Chapter. You will be automatically entered to win. Or
0: simply go to anchor.fm backslash The Missing Chapter backslash message. That's anchor.fm backslash The Missing Chapter backslash message.
1: The winner will be announced during our December 18th episode, Foggy Memory, The Empire State Building Tragedy, and on social media.
0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Missing Chapter podcast here with your hosts, Still Hornder and Phil Schoff. Today's brew is actually from Trader Joe's, if you're fortunate enough to, to have a Trader Joe's in your area. It's the Wake Up Blend, and it was gifted to us by our one and only Blake Smith. We've enjoyed it um, immensely since he, he brought it by. We have a great cup of coffee in front of us. We have a great story on tap for you, and we're anxious to see what Phil has uh Prepped for us. I, I love the intro, Phil. Oh, if the you. intro right. didn't, you know, we do these intros as a way of kind of, you know, hooking the listener. Yeah. If this particular intro didn't do that, I'm going to be shocked. <laughs> okay. Well, see, here's the thing.
1: When I when I was reading through this and doing the intro, I I almost said to myself, I wonder if I wonder if some listeners think is this just a fable? No, this is actually a true story. So th- I want to just clarify that for a moment. This is actual history here. Mm-hmm. So let me set the stage. Okay. So. We're, we're in, in November of 1950, in the middle of the Korean War. Okay. Uh, there's a, a Marine division, the first Marine division of about 15,000 men. There's elements of two combat teams of the U.S. Army, um, a detachment of British soldiers, and some South Korean policemen. And they're meeting the enemy. All right. The enemy uh, is at a mountain reservoir called Changjin, AKA the Chosen Mountain. All right. We're going to come back to that. Chosen Mountain is what we got to be uh, remembering. So the enemy remember, is 120,000 strong up against a division of 15,000 men, okay? So the Marines are surrounded. They're outnumbered by the Chinese and the North Korean troops uh, in some areas as much as 10 to 1. And of course, Chairman Mao at the time ordered the complete annihilation of these Marines at Chosen, okay? For whatever reason, this particular winter was the coldest winter for that region on record. So we have temperatures falling as low as 30 to 40 degrees below zero, especially at night, of course. Um, the ground, the ground froze so hard that bulldozers couldn't uh, dig in placements for artillery. Their Jeep's batteries, uh, fuel lines froze, cracked. Uh, it slowed down the recoil of their automatic weapons. So they're jamming and, and not recoiling and uh, cycling for the next round. Uh, bullet wounds that some of these soldiers were actually freezing shut. So imagine the pain that's, that's involved there. Their feet are freezing into blocks of ice inside their boots. And of course, the foul weather makes it extre- extremely difficult for resupply mis- missions. Now, a more morbid example, I guess you could say, is some of the men were getting uh, frostbite and morphine syringes were used mm-hmm. to try to decrease some of the pain, especially for some of the mortally wounded. They had to use uh, their mouths as, an, as a way to, to thaw out some of the syringes. Were being used because they were freezing up. So before you could actually inject the morphine, they're even using uh, dead bodies to to try to thaw out some of these things. So, so the, the cold is just something that you know we can't really fathom at this point. Amongst other difficulties in the battle, all right. One of the survivors is actually quoted in saying, "The cold numbed our minds. It froze our fingers and toes, and froze our rations. We were seventy-eight miles from the sea, surrounded, supplies cut, facing an enemy." whose sole objective was the complete annihilation of the 1st Marine Division as a warning to other United Nations troops and written off as lost by the high command. And since the bitter cold also froze the Marines' sea rations, they're essentially starving. Uh, So over the two weeks of this horrifying fighting, they suffer losses. 3,000 killed uh, in action, 6,000 wounded, thousands of severe frostbite cases. And there's a a veteran by the name of Clifford uh, Meyer who said, we put our seriously wounded in sleeping bags, secured our dead to the fenders and hoods of our trucks. Those uh, we had no space for, we buried. Every uh, Marine became a rifleman. Unable to build a fire to heat our rations, the men were close to starvation. So you can picture, Phil, this is is a nightmare situation, outnumbered, uh, outgunned with no rations, you're, it's basically hell on earth for some of these, these soldiers.
0: Yeah. And first and foremost, I think it's great. You know, we pride ourselves in the mission statement behind the missing chapter is to bring you the obscure forgotten stories. There's something about the Korean war and the fact that you're talking about that, it's, I mean, Phil, it's referred to as the forgotten war. Yes. So for someone who, who both of my grandfathers, you know, fought in Korea, I think it's important that we talk more about this war and you and I always, we try to find the entertaining stories, but we also try to find the stories that work their way into niches and parts of history that maybe get overlooked from time to time. Yes. So I, I I think it's great we're talking Korea. The conditions you just described are unfathomable, and you haven't even you haven't even brought up the fighting yet.
1: Right, that's true. You know
0: these are just conditions I think any one of us would find hard to survive and endure, on top of fighting a war and an and, and an enemy whose soul purpose, you said, so goal is to annihilate you. Yeah. So it's, it's just, it's, it's hard to comprehend.
1: Yeah. And they, they make a, a very interesting decision. So when they, they know that the resupply missions are are very uh, difficult to say the least, mm-hmm. you know, because of the weather, because of the, the cold, but they do make a call, they make a call and they say, you know, instead of getting ammunition, we need something that has a little more power. So they call in for mortar ammo. And what I mentioned in the intro was the, the 60 millimeter specifically mortar ammo. But here's the catch. In all of the fighting, they always used code names because you don't obviously want the enemy to translate you know, and, and give over their, right. their specs where sense. they are. So they're all using code names. Here's the catch. The radio operator that they reported to did not have the code sheets that would tell them exactly what those codes were. But they knew the request was urgent, so he called in the order. Okay. So soon, as I said in the intro, huge pallets parachuted from the sky to the 1st Marine Division. Well, the codename that the radio operator couldn't decipher but took quite literally was codename, here it is, Tootsie Rolls. I love it. So imagine their surprise and chagrin here. Instead of 60-millimeter mortar rounds, candy. Right. And here's the crazy part. It saved their lives
0: yeah see that that's the part it's it's a crazy story up until this point, but then to think well there's there's more to it that's gonna <laughs> blow your mind. I think that's I'm also wondering where they were able to find this many actual tootsie rolls. It's a great point to drop that's a great point but yeah. I, I think that's kind of secondary, but you you talk about disappointment i mean you' you the your lifeline is being dropped out of this plane and to your disappointment. <laughs> And, and, you know, I, I can't fathom that. Right. You open it up to find literal and actual Tootsie Rolls,
1: actual Tootsie Rolls yeah. sitting there waiting for you. So, I I mean, you can just picture you can almost picture the movie mm-hmm. uh, out of this. You know, you're, you you have this box, you you fight through all these uh, bullets flying by you, the explosions coming at you. And, and here you are. And you, you open up the box and there's a bunch of Tootsie Rolls. Uh, so <laughs> here's what happens. Um, the veteran we spoke of earlier said that his colonel, Colonel Murray, said. Uh, we're coming out with our dead, our wounded in our equipment. We're coming out as Marines or we are not coming out as all, wow. at all. So I think that right there was the moment where instead of looking at the box of Tootsie Rolls and saying, oh my God, we're done. Mm-hmm. Uh, the colonel said, no, no, no. We're coming out as Marines or once again, we are not coming out at all. So they're making the best of the situation. And Marines are known for that ability to make do with what they're what they're given. So oddly enough, The Tootsie Rolls, rather than bringing them down, actually, you can see in documentation, actually reinvigorated the 1st Marine Division. So here comes the Tootsie Roll airdrop. It's no exception to this, hey, make do with what you're given uh, rule for Marines. And while they were not really ammunition, of course, the candy from the sky actually provided well needed nourishment for the troops. And there's a lot of reasons why. You know, they had rations, but the rations were frozen solid. Tootsie Rolls became became an easy source of calories. You're probably questioning, well, how is that possible? Well, let's talk about this for a second. One soldier said that he survived two full weeks on Tootsie Rolls alone. Wow. All right? So wow. when you're in that kind of bitter cold, the big thing is, is uh, you know, frostbite, of course, but you need to have your calorie intake uh, super high because your body's doing uh, all sorts of things to survive. They also learned that they could actually easily warm up the Tootsie Rolls by putting them in their mouths, mm-hmm. obviously, or warm them like in their armpits or or, uh, behind their knees. So it was something that was not available to them with their other rations. You couldn't do that with the other rations they had, but with Tootsie Rolls, you could warm them up easily and it would, it would freeze easily, which is actually a good thing, which we're going to talk about right now. So as they're learning that they could easily warm up the Tootsie Rolls, they learned that they could also reform it into a putty like substance, which I think all of us have done at some point, you know, warm up the Tootsie Rolls. they're plugging bullet holes in their Jeeps. They're plugging holes, uh, excuse me, holes in, in hoses, in barrels, in other materials. The candies would quickly freeze solid again and actually seal it completely. And then once it refroze, guess what? The material
0: is ready for use again. So, amazingly, in hindsight, of all the candies that could have been dropped, <laughs> you want to talk about making good of a bad situation. Number one, they're rallying around the fact that, all right, this isn't what we expected, but we're still going to. We're still going to survive one way or another. We're Marines. This is what we're trained to do. But of all the things, the versatility of a tootsie roll. Right. The versatility of a tootsie roll, the nourishment, but its ability to actually almost be used as a, used as a tool. Yes. Is remarkable. It, it's phenomenal. And, and maybe this was better than the
1: ammunition. I, I, I know. I thought about that too. And I'm doing the research on this because one of the things that, it, that dawned on me was my gosh, if they had just been given mortar ammo, that, Guess what? They right. don't have the food, so they probably would have died of starvation and would have been overtaken. Now, the the crazy part about all this, they actually accomplished their goal. They destroyed several Chinese divisions in the process, and many credited their survival, uh, the very survival to Tutsi rolls themselves. Surviving Marines called themselves "ready," the chosen few. The chosen mountain. They were the chosen few that survived. One of the chosen few wrote wrote this, and this is this is awesome. Destroying non-essential equipment, we discovered boxes and boxes of Tootsie Rolls, frozen solid from the sub-zero temperature. The Tootsie Rolls were issued to all the men. The sugar gave us energy, and the candy satisfied our hunger. After two weeks of bitter fighting, we finally reached the sea with most of our dead, our wounded, our equipment, and one very important extra, 100,000 North Korean civilians voting for freedom with their feet following us out. Some of them live in the United States today. Now that right there is a sweet end to a very, very sour beginning. All right, so Phil, you had a couple of questions uh, during the break and we're gonna get to those. Before we do, we told you guys in season two that we wanted to give you a little bit of trivia Um and some questions throughout the episodes. And I I will start with this because we're talking about this. Here's your here's your trivia question for the day. How did uh how did the name Tootsie, how did that name Tootsie roll come about? Well, it comes from an Austrian immigrant by the name of Leo Hirschfeld. Uh he produced the candy in a small store in New York City, ended up naming the candy after his five-year-old daughter, Clara, whose nickname was, of course, Tootsie. So there's your trivia for today. Uh, let's get to some more questions because you had some good ones.
0: No, that's great, Phil. I, I think this is a remarkable story. I mean, it's it really is the story of being able to overcome and and being able to think out a dime and, and be creative given the cards you're dealt. Um, and I think there's a lot of credit that's probably passed around um, that you can take these circumstances, look at them, and out of it comes an American victory in this war is pretty astounding. I'm just curious as to who do you point to to say, maybe there's an unsung hero in all of this.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I, well, I think you could go a, a couple of different directions. I mean, the first person I would think of is, uh, you know, who's who's calling these code names? Who's who's saying, hey, we're going to call this uh, this mortar ammo? We're going to call those tootsie rolls. Number one, you got to thank him or her right for that, or else this this story would never exist. Right. Uh, number two, the person who didn't have the code sheet in front of him as as a, a big problem as that is that is ended up being the solution to that to that issue and number three I think the colonel that said hey listen I don't care if there's tootsie rolls in there or not we're marines we have to make do and uh that right there I think is, is awe-inspiring in and of itself but and I I never mentioned this earlier and I think I should mention this now I, I'm actually quite sure knowing that some of our listeners are former teachers or in education I'm almost positive that some looked at the title and said oh they spelled roll wrong <laughs> And I think now it would start to make sense uh, to some of our listeners that uh, it wasn't a misspelling or a typo. It's, it's hopefully, obviously, you guys know how significant a role Tootsie Rolls actually played to these soldiers. So let's, let's go a little bit further and see, you know, what, what is the outcome of all this and, and what kind of legacy does this uh, story leave? Well, Tootsie Roll Industries, ready for this, has received numerous testimonials of how Tootsie Rolls have actually helped save the lives of service personnel who were near starvation in this this, uh, one instance. One chosen few marine wrote, quote, by large, Tootsie Rolls were our main diet while fighting our way out of the reservoir. You can bet there were literally thousands of Tootsie Roll wrappers scattered over North Korea. No doubt it made a nice change from spam, uh, which of course I think would be considered, Tootsie Rolls would be considered a delicacy after having spam. Uh, To this day though, which I think is really interesting, when the chosen few have reunions, the Tootsie Roll company sends them boxes uh, for wherever, wherever they are located throughout the nation, which I think is a nice gesture. So the chosen few live the, the tales of courage uh, and candy, of course. And the National Museum of Marine Corps has a tribute in their chosen display of a Tootsie Roll wrapper at the feet of a Marine on the frozen ground. It's an awesome image, and we, we may post that on our website um, or, or social media. So even after 70 years, this Chosen Few and the Tootsie Roll bond remained strong. At the 2019 Chosen Few reunion, which took place in Norfolk, Ellen R. Gordon, Chairman and Chief Executive Officer of Tootsie Roll Industries, spoke to the entire group. Uh, she said she was honored to be there. She was an honored guest at the banquet. Um, and she was she was there with, the, with a bunch of obviously Chosen Few veterans. Tootsie Roll Industries manufacturers, uh, they produce over um, millions and millions of Tootsie Rolls per year. And to over 30 countries, including not only Tootsie Rolls, um, but Tootsie Roll Pops, Charms, Cellas, I've never heard of that one, Chocolate Covered Cherries, uh, Junior Mints, Charleston Chews, Sugar Daddy, Sugar Babies, Andy's Mints, Double Bubblegum. There's, there's all sorts of things that, that they uh, are accompanied with, but the company is headquartered in Chicago with operations all over the nation, as well as Mexico and Spain. So their outreach is is global, but I think it's just an awesome gesture that they that they remember the chosen few in that very specific instance
0: and i'd wager to think phil that our listeners at home the next time they have a tootsie roll they very well might be thinking about this episode i hope so
1: Thank you for joining us, and until next time, I'm Phil Horinder. And I'm Phil Schaff. Another chapter has been added to the history textbooks.